Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to another episode of Alec Mappa Hot Mess with Matthew Dempsey, psychotherapist. I'm Alec Mappa. I'm an actor and comedian. I've I've never done um, ketamine. That, that is excellent news. Uh, my name is Matthew Dempsey. I'm a psychotherapist and multicultural counselor. And I, I, I we're going to talk up. about drugs. There's a point. We're we're talking to our friend Quinn Cummings today, yes. Oscar non- nominated actress, writer, humorist, because she is uh, she did ketamine assess assisted psychotherapy yes that's K-A-P. right yes. so yes. um what's that i'm asking <laughs> you with two master's degrees from columbia yes well okay first of all let me just kind of put this out there that this is right. not my specialty this is not the specific thing that i've studied but i have just a, a little bit of insight uh into mm-hmm. it um, yeah you read about some, it on facebook i've read it. <laughs> 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 so i'm an expert uh so okay so ketamine is a it's uh you know it's a psychedelic drug it's used mm. i mean you know a lot of people think of it as like you know horse tranquilizer party yes. drug um but it has it's been used medically for years and it's been used to you know kind of uh remove pain or, or kind of reduce pain and treatments for animals but also humans um, and when it's done in uh, extreme amounts, that's when you can kind of get to a place where you're like tripping and having these mm-hmm. kind of psychedelic experiences and having mm-hmm. visuals. And some people, if they do too much, fall into K-holes, which right. means it's kind of this like dark hole. Um, but when so there's been this newer treatment that's become available where if ketamine is done by administered by a medical professional and also then can be accompanied by a psychotherapist who helps kind of help you navigate whatever kind of experience you're having, right? then uh, it can be something very helpful because what it does is it helps us to not just physically kind of block pain receptors so that, you know, we can, uh, you know, kind of do what we need to do physically um, with surgeries and things like that. But it also then can help remove some of the discomfort and emotional pain that might be there that keeps us blocked from being it could be a very kind of defensive response to Uh some emotional discomfort and pain that we might have. Uh Um, So it helps remove some of those defenses so we can maybe access some more of the feelings that we have and some of the kind of deeper thoughts and belief systems that we have. So then we can kind of process it in some new ways. We don't have to be blocked off to it, but we can kind of process it. So this therapy basically kind of helps us do that. It reintroduces us to some of our deeper thoughts and feelings in a way that then we can uh, manage them and and keep them open so we can connect to other people. Right. It makes you less inhibited so that you can process those things that you normally wouldn't if you yes. weren't altered. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that everything starts off as like a clinical drug. Like yeah. it starts, and then somebody some asshole goes, hey, 
I want to take that at a party. And then it be, and then yeah. it becomes like, because the only thing I've heard about K is like gay guys taking it at a dance or something and, yes. and ending up in a K hole where somebody's going, you're not dying. I'm right here. I'm holding your hand. You're going to be okay. But you forget yes. that it starts out as a drug that treats people uh, yes. psychologically for PTSD or people right, who or are having a, a difficult emotional time. I heard about a trial that's happening at UCLA right now where they give their microdosing LSD to people who are experiencing pain and fear due to uh, terminal illness. Yeah, yes. That um, I'm dying, I'm scared, I'm afraid. And they come out of the therapy yeah. less fearful and totally. more at peace with what's happening. So it sounds like uh, uh, K-therapy Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> is what we'll call it on the slide. <laughs> yeah. Uh, K-assisted therapy um, uh, helps people in that way. Would you yeah, agree? There's, yeah, there's, I mean, there's kind of, there's really a few different kinds of treatments that exist out there. You know, I mean, you're talking about like LSD, but ketamine, mm-hmm. there's also ayahuasca that some people might know about. Right. Um, and so there are these, there are these drugs or people would just call it medicine um, that really kind of like help open and expand some of our, of our, you know, our, our neurological processes, the ways that right. we think, the, you know, because we can access different parts of our brains um, and we can, you know, kind of go into these places that we otherwise might be really afraid to, to go there, right? Like we've kind of walled off and especially, so these kinds of treatments can also be particularly effective for people of PTSD right. and have suffered some real kind of trauma because right. it helps us access some of the processes that go into the, you know, kind of the traumatic uh, events and, and what's kept us walled off. Mm. Um, in those ways. And it, and it helps us navigate that. So we can kind of open some of that up without it feeling like it's taking us down, that it's too overwhelming. Yeah. And and on the other side of that, the benefit of that is you come out of it like, Hey, I'm not as scared. I'm not as worried. I'm not as anxious. Sure. Yeah. Well, because ultimately, well, I'm yeah, I mean, it's like, game. I mean, listen, but the things that you're talking about, even, you know, people who are facing their own mortality or who mm-hmm. just have this immense fear of death, um, people who've gone through traumatic events, uh, things like that. I mean, it's just like this, you know, it's an, an immense and debilitating fear. Mm-hmm. And so we have a defense to that. So we can kind of dissociate from from that feeling. You know, we we kind of wall off. We disconnect from the emotional experience of it. So we don't have to feel that pain and the suffering. But then there are all these other kinds of you know, disadvantages and limitations that comes from that way of living too, because then, right. you know. I think it seeps out somewhere. Yeah. It's like, like a water where? balloon with a hole Where is it seeping it? out It's going to seep out. I'm just saying, because like my trauma was, um, you know, um, we grew up very affluent, my family. Yeah. And uh, when I was 13, 14 years old, my we were wiped out financially and our family was never the same. Mm. Ever. Yeah. Ever the same. It really yeah. kind of wrecked us. And uh, all the relationships changed, our geography changed. And so th- how that manifested in my adult life is whenever money came up, money issues, I'd have anxiety attached regardless of to the amount yeah. of money I had. But I went to EMDR. They walked me through the experiences again of what happened. And I right. was able to look at it in a safe way. Yes. And and coming out of it, I don't, I'm concerned about money, certainly, yeah. but I'm not like up at nights going, I'm going to be homeless. We're going to end up destitute. Where yeah. I don't awfulize the way that I used to. EMDR is an interesting one because, I mean, that's obviously not a medically assisted therapeutic process. I always forget what it stands for. It's eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing. And so what that means yeah, is what that- Yeah, what he said. <laughs> it's basically like, you know, if you've ever taken like a psych 101 course or whatever, it's kind of like, there's like REM sleep. Like there's the different stages of sleep and then there's REM sleep, right? Yes. Which means- uh, 
rapid eye movement because yes. at night when we're sleeping, you can, if you ever even notice, you can kind of notice that like eyes dart it's back creepy. and forth left yeah. and right. It's creepy. Yeah. Um, because that's what, that's the way that our brain is downloading information from the day and processing that information. When your eyeballs are moving back and forth, it's yes. your, your brain is like, you're also like, is that your eyes moving through the dream? Kind of like, oh, I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm sure. Going. You know, if, if, if we want to kind of go with the hypothesis that dreams is, is just a representation of our, of our thoughts and, and, and emotions that help us kind of, you know, process information for the day. Sure. But all this anyway, kind of helps us process information. And so EMDR you know, there's a variety of ways that you can do that. And, you know, you might have a kind of like a little um, kind of like a, a pulsating thing on each hand. I did that. So that it, it'll pulse back and forth, left, right, left, right. Mm -hmm. um, or you can even just kind of tap on your leg, left, right, left, right, or whatever. There's a, there's a few different ways, but it helps kind of process back and forth, left, right, left, right. As you're talking about the traumatic event, because now it's helping bring it into the frame of consciousness for you. You're talking about it, you're processing it, and you're you're re desensitizing and reprocessing mm. this information for you, but you're doing it with the assistance of a psychotherapist who helps you now navigate it in more effective ways so that you can do it in healthier ways and you can frame things a little bit differently. And you're also less over-identifying with the experience itself. You know what happened to me after my very first um, session? What? I felt so horny. <laughs> Like hornier than usual. <laughs> I was like, I have to have sex. Yes, it's opening your chakras. Is that what it is? I don't know. It just kind of like, yeah. I was like, I, you know, I want to shove a chair up there right now. Like something has <laughs> to happen. Like all the furniture was missing from my house. Listen, <laughs> I'm all for any kind of therapy yes. <laughs> that helps us access our, our deeper emotions and live a healthier, happier life. We have yes. a great guest on the program today, she's my friend, uh, Quinn Cummings, and she's going to talk about the ketamine-assisted psychotherapy. See, I yeah, get it right. Very good. Eventually, I get it right. And <laughs> we'll talk to her after these important messages. Hey, all you true crime fans, this is Mike Ferguson. And this is Mike Morphe. And we'd like to invite you to listen to our podcast, Criminology. Launched in 2017, we've covered a variety of strange cases from murders to missing persons. Some of the cases are ones you may not have heard of. Other cases we cover are some of the most historic in true crime. There are 200 episodes of Criminology available to binge on right now. And new episodes come out every Saturday night. Subscribe to Criminology today, wherever you listen to your podcast. We have a very special guest today. She was a child actor who starred as Lucy McFadden in Neil Simon's The Goodbye Girl, for which she was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress. Since that time, she's written three books, including Notes from the Underwire and Year of Learning Dangerously. You can also find her on Twitter under the hashtag QuinnC, Q-U-I-N-N-C-Y, where she writes a small story every day about her life. She's so smart, so funny. She makes the best cocktails back when I was drinking. Uh, uh, we have a tale to tell or two. Uh, please welcome to the show, author, humorous, and dear friend of mine, Quinn Cummings. Yay! Yay! Applause, applause. <laughs> welcome. I, I could not be more excited. Do I listen to your podcast? Are you already a friend in my mind, Matthew? You are. You are. <laughs> I feel been, that. I've been I wanting you two to meet. I think that you two would be like every time I introduce Quinn to one of my friends, they become her friends on a, on a deep cellular level. Oh, wow. I'm like, I'm like a slime. I just collect. <laughs> I just keep losing forward. 
Yeah, you're mine now. <laughs> oh, I, good. I, I, I feel warm and safe. And you're mine. <laughs> <laughs> so ketamine assisted psychotherapy. Quinn, you started off, from what I understand, this was on assignment. You were Lois Lane. Yes. This yes, was a journalistic I, uh, thing. So walk us through that. Sort of Lois Lane, sort of Hunter S. Thompson. Okay, because got it. Because Lois Lane wouldn't have heard about ketamine-assisted psychotherapy and thought, wait a moment, I could trip and get paid? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lois wouldn't have done that. No. Um, I knew of a psychiatrist, now just for those people who never remember the difference between psychiatrists and psychologists, mm-hmm. there is, it doesn't make a huge bit of difference for the most part, except for a few things. Psychiatrist means you go to med school. Ke- why this affects the story is that ketamine is an, um, it is used in medical protocols. It is a medicine. Mm-hmm. If you go to med school, you can write script for medication. If you don't go to med school, it's harder to do that. Right. So, This psychiatrist was writing script for ketamine for a therapist. And then the therapist would stay with you through the trip. And this was being used by fancy pants Hollywood people, like people who write summer tentpole movies who were blocked writing the second act of a five-year, huge multi-million dollar contract Uh for a bunch of summer tentpole movies. And yes, this costs a lot, but what is five or $6,000 if you're getting paid several million dollars to write these movies? So every series regular is doing this right now in order to kind of uh, get through the season. If if you are paying $5,000 to your ex-wife's dietitian for last month's being told to drink more water, what is $5,000? Right, right. And the anecdotal reports coming back was that it was moving people out of creative blocks they had been in for months. Okay. That all right, so go going back to what Matthew was talking about before, the thing about ketamine is it is a dissociative drug. What does that mean? Why does it work for PTSD? Why does it work for writer's block? Because it moves you out of the reactive phase of a trauma mm-hmm. into a place where you're a little bit away from it. And you can look at it and think that is a feeling, but that is not a feeling I'm always going to be in. Or if you're blocked creatively, the sense you have is, and I'm always going to feel this way. Mm. I am never going to figure out what to do with this character. Oh God, I can't breathe. Right. And ketamine allows you on a non-scientific level, and then I'll jump to what the science of it is. Okay. It allows you to look at the feeling for a second and say, that is a feeling. I don't like that feeling, but it is just a feeling, which right. is why it, work, why it works for PTSD. People with PTSD can go through therapy for years and have a certain amount of work done with it. But ultimately, if your trauma is left over, we're, we're we're talking about veterans today. Yeah. If if your trauma is based on I was on a wide highway and then it blew up in front of me mm-hmm. and now I'm on a wide highway. Oh God, I Right. There's only so much you can do psychologically to talk yourself out of it ahead of time. Frequently you're in the trauma Correct. before you can even start to un the minute you're triggered, you go into lizard brain. 
You're already, uh, you know, you're already reliving it. The closest thing I've had to this kind of therapy is when I did EMDR, where That's they were exactly. like eye movement. And, the, and the, the quickest explanation I can have for the benefit of that is they'll walk you through a traumatic experience and it becomes more of a movie you saw as opposed to a lived experience. So, so when you think about those experiences, like, boy, that was a really scary movie, as opposed to that really happened to me. And the other word for that would be disassociative. Yes. That is a thing I'm seeing as opposed to a thing I am reliving. All right. Uh, All right. So the science behind ketamine is that if you do a scan of a brain of somebody who is depressed, first of all, if you ask them about their lives, eventually they're going to come to some variation of my life feels smaller and darker. Mm. Here's the weird part. If you look at their brain, their brains actually look smaller and darker. All right. So axons, dendrites. Dendrites are the little sort of the wiggly things where the chemicals go across to the other dendrites, down to the axon. And this is how the chemicals pass through your brain. Have you seen that film of the dendrite walking across the actual chemical? It's so cute. It looks like Gumby. It's just, (laughs) yeah. So Alec, you and I are talking to one another and the science people are just waiting out the pain. I understand. Matthew, did you have to study this stuff at Columbia? You did. Okay. All right. Yeah. So So, he's screaming inside. It's bringing back that trauma. you're you're, You're speaking very well about it clinically. Thank you. All right. So when you are depressed, when you are anxious, when you are traumatized, the dendrites actually pull back slightly. Mm. So part of what the chemical process of an antidepressant is, is to help the chemicals. It has to basically put a little bit of an oomph miracle grow behind the chemicals to get them across what is now a longer divide. For reasons we still do not completely understand, ketamine and some of the other drugs in that category rebuild the dendrites. Oh, permanently? Yeah. Oh. And sometimes the trauma can start to erode it again. Sometimes people need to have it redone. Uh, For some people, it doesn't work at all. It seems to be about a 33, 33, 33 uh, results so far. And again, mm-hmm. the numbers are still small, but about 33% of people see no results. 33% seem to be worse for some reason, and 33% seem to be better. And what's interesting is the worse you are coming in, the more traumatized, the lower you are coming in, the higher the result. The anecdotes of people coming out of a single session saying, Oh my God, I'm alive. Right. Those, right. those people are not the ones where they're like, eh, a little creatively blocked. Yeah. Again, I'm not going to tell someone else's story, but I told, I don't pretend this is a world changer. I tell the data that I have to people. Yeah. And I know of someone who heard my story who was in a very bad way, mm-hmm. very, very bad way. And she walked out after the first session saying, for the first time in my adult life, I don't want to die. Yeah. I heard that the LSD treatments where they're microdosing people with LSD at UCLA, that mm-hmm. study, they were doing it for people because it's to speaks to what you were saying about the worst the case. Mm-hmm. It, they were giving it to administering the treatment to people with life threatening illnesses. Sure. Yeah. And and they, they came out of it less fearful, mm-hmm. more at peace with what was happening and less 
kind of panicked about it. Sure. So um, my question, my clinical question to Matthew is where would, who would, how would you as a professional, would you ever kind of like, how would you know when somebody's blocked in their treatment of depression? Like we have to go a little deeper. We have to, we got to bring out the bigger guns here. Um, I mean, it really depends, you know, if you just kind of use traditional talk therapy and just see how well that might work and be able to help open things up or process. If there's some kind of, you know, uh, if some of those approaches are proving to be effective, then then we'll keep on that. But if it seems as though that, you know, clients are still just kind of mired down, they feeling stuck and unable to, you know, find their way out of some of it, then, you know, some of these kind of like these newer or even less traditional approaches can be just a great option. And it's just enough to offer the information to see if it's even something that somebody might connect with or resonate with to want to explore that additional thing. So that's how, that's kind of the approach I would take. Hmm. Yeah. But the interesting thing and the thing that I kind of want to say, Quinn, speaking to kind of what you were talking about of like the efficacy, you know, kind of how well it works and for whom and for whom it works. I do not myself administer any of these kinds of treatments um, like the ketamine psychotherapy or like ayahuasca or any of these uh, additional kind of like, you know, psychedelic approaches to therapy. But I have worked with clients who've done kind of a variety of these things. And kind of the thing that I have noticed just myself, my own kind of observations on things is that it is incredible. So a lot of these different treatments are really incredible about kind of like chemically kind of activating some things like you were talking about to be able to help, you know, get some new kind of messaging going on for us to be able to have new insights and new awarenesses to open things up. But what also needs to happen that a lot of times doesn't, which is kind of why I like the kind of psychotherapeutic uh, component attached to the ketamine, is that you can have these awarenesses, you can, you know, have that insight and that's great unless it's attached to some other kind of behavioral follow-up where you're mm. now kind of reintroducing some new patterns okay. of behavior in your life, then those like, you know, we're talking about like dendrites and, you know, things that can happen kind of neurologically for us kind of like wither back into how they were before. So having the behavioral component kind of in, you know, outside of that treatment to be the thing that helps reinforce these new insights is what also really helps kind of make some of these things a little bit more impactful and effective in a longer term sense. Not just having kind of like a quick realization that lasts for like maybe a week or two and you feel good, but something that can be a little bit more effective long term. Absolutely. I think that reintegration is a huge part of this um, because, uh, as you know, Insurance companies are increasingly unhelpful when it comes to mental health, shall we oh, say. Oh, yeah. Yes. They were never great, and they're getting worse. Yes. And my concern has <laughs> always been that their attitude is going to be, okay, we'll pay for ketamine. You're done now. You're good, right? Yeah. And, oh. and um, I think it, it the way it's frequently described is it's six months worth of therapy in three hours. Yeah. But it's no one who's doing it is saying it's a lifetime's worth of mental health work in three hours. Yeah, it moves you forward drastically, and then there can be a conversation to the next yeah. place. It's an addition. It's an addition to talk therapy. It's not. It's not meant to. I think so. It. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna drop you off. I'm gonna pick you up, and then I'm gonna drop you off six months down the road, and your voyage yeah. will continue. Would you be comfortable? <laughs> listen to me. <laughs> Talk Matthew here. <laughs> Would you be comfortable sharing us with us your experience? Absolutely. Uh, of it? Okay. <laughs> no, not a word. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> and we're done. <laughs> and we're done. That's my hot um, message of the day. I'm not talking yeah. about nothing. <laughs> <laughs> 
<clears throat> okay, so for the first one, I was absolutely doing it for the article. You know, there aren't that many times in your life someone else pays pays for your trip. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and I was never going to do it socially. I don't trust people. And for me to say to even even someone I consider to be a good friend, you know, oh, yeah, that, that bit of paper, I'll put it in my mouth. Because I'm mm-hmm. like, sure, I trust you. But who'd you get it from? Do I know right. them? No, uh, yeah. no, we're not. Yeah, yeah. No. Uh, yeah there's look, a certain will, leap you have to take whenever there's drugs involved. Yeah, it, look, you I can't. Will, you can't. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, you can't I question it. I wear a tube top in public. <laughs> I don't trust other yeah. people. So when you go to the doctor, you get the good stuff. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right. Exactly. I want oversight. <laughs> okay. I yeah. Mean, yes. um, yeah. Uh, but I did it for the article, but I also wanted to see what it would break loose in me a little bit. Okay. When I was a child, when I was nine years old, my father died very suddenly. Mm-hmm. And I remember being on a couch, lying on a couch a few months after he died and feeling as if I was going to feel, I felt as if I was falling and I was reasonably certain I was going to be falling for the rest of my life the physical sensation you had a physical sensation of falling it was a it was an emotional sensation so profound it became a physical sensation okay all right got it and it was just that moment in alice in wonderland where she just keeps falling and falling and falling Mm -hmm. and falling i think it's Mm -hmm. alice through the looking glass Mm -hmm. but i remember thinking and i was at most 10 years old i remember thinking I feel terrible and I am going to feel terrible for the rest of my life because Mm. my father's going to be dead for the rest of my life. There's Mm, no reason to think this feeling will ever stop. So I remember the triage decision I made at that moment, which is I will feel nothing because nothing is better than this. Yeah. Dissociate. I will cut off all the bad feelings. And we'll see where that gets me. And mm-hmm. I remember an almost physical sensation of a yeah. tourniquet applied to my emotions and then feeling better. That's so interesting. Say- there are there are so many people who describe kind of what you're talking about, kind of like this dissociation, who can specifically remember the moment when they made that decision mm-hmm. and how things flipped. And then what their experiences, uh, you know, had been moving forward. Ginger Minch talked about that. it's like, you're this, you're like, we've had so many emotionally precocious people on the show who at a young age made those decisions in their head about where, which road am I going to take? So you make the decision to, to not, to cut off all of those bad feelings. And then how did that manifest in your adult life? Did you, you, did you have a conscious idea of it carrying over or did you just forget about it? (laughs) Um, what it does, it's like, you got to read the contract. You always got to read the contract all the way to the end. In the bottom of that contract that I signed, where I decided I would have no more bad feelings, it said in very faint typeface, but you're going to lose a bunch of the good feelings too. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Yep. You can't self-select. You can't self-select. And what I had done 
was I had taken out the absolute bottom range, but I had also cut myself off from <gasps> the absolute top. Yeah. But, yep. you know, they talked about, uh, you'll love this. Uh, Brene Brown talks about that joy is like one of the most vulnerable feelings you can feel. Yeah. And that oh, yeah. can be scary to be happy. And I was like, really? And then she talked about the thing of like seeing your child asleep. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden you're filled with all this positive chemicals. I love you. And then the next thing is like, oh no, what if they get hurt? Oh, oh, I have to think about the next 20 years of their lives. And I was like, oh, that's how it feels. So you're saying you were cut off from the good stuff as well. Oh, absolutely. Um, And so I went into this knowing that a lot of the time in my life, and it wasn't terrible. I'm capable of love. I've been with the same guy for 27 years. Mm-hmm. There've just been a lot of moments in my life where I looked around at everyone else and thought, I think you're getting more than I am. Yeah. I, I think you're feeling more than I am. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yep. I just yeah. just a sense of like, no, I know how much I'm feeling. And there that looks a lot louder than what I'm feeling. Oh. Yeah, totally. Yes. I've never been through, I've never been through that, the, that experience where I have, you know, kind of fully kind of dissociated in that way. But I have, I think as probably a lot of people can relate to, you have moments where you just kind of pull back a little bit, right? Like you just uh-huh. kind of a little bit more to yourself or closed off, you know, and then you could be with your friends or you could be at a party or whatever. And you can feel that kind of what you're talking about, a version of that, right? where you just kind of feel like I'm not connecting with these people who I normally would connect with. Like I'm not really connecting in some way. And it's like when we wall ourselves off from our own feelings as a way of protecting ourselves, it also keeps us walled off from connecting to the humanity of every other person, right? Like the, our, the, our emotionality, that's how we can connect with other people. We don't have everybody's unique experiences in life, but we do have you know a lot of shared emotional experiences. So the dissociation ver- keeps us detached. My version of this is whenever I do a play, back when I did plays, and I knew we were closing, I yeah. say goodbye to everybody two weeks in advance. <laughs> So two weeks, I will go to everybody's dressing room and and give them a present and say, I love you. I just, I've had such a great time with you. And people are like, what the fuck, Alec? We don't close for another two weeks. We're not done yet. We have 14 performances (laughs) left. But but what happens is on closing night, every, you know, people are hugging and crying. And meanwhile, my dressing room is cleared. (laughs) My shit is all gone. I'm just, and and everybody's hugging and crying and I'm uh, in the corner going, smoking Uh, a cigarette going, bye. Like I've already (laughs) moved on. And I've done that always to kind of like, and some people have said to me, isn't there some benefit in like feeling what everybody else is feeling? Yeah. And like, and I'm like, yeah, I'm feeling everything, what everybody else is feeling, but two weeks in advance. Uh, So when Quinn, when you said- How very controlled, Alec, how very controlled. When you you said um, (laughs) everybody's feeling more than me, that's my version of it. Yeah. On closing yeah. nights when everybody's like, and I'm like that. So did you come in with that agenda for this um, paid session of like, um, I'm going to try to like figure that out? I am. Yes. And it was a little bit of, okay, let's see what's behind the door. All right. The way, another way that I describe ketamine is at the beginning of COVID, what is time? Uh, we were all watching Marie Kondo. And, yes. yeah. and she would and she would have everybody um, 
put their clothing on a bed. Mm, you know, you I love to, that. You had to grab everything out of the closet and just throw everything on the bed. And then you had to consider each object. Does it spark and, joy? And does it spark joy? What is your emotional reaction? The way I would describe ketamine is all the doors in your head get unlocked. Everything gets dumped in the middle and you have to decide. No, you get to decide what matters. Mm. And that's what I wanted was to start having a relationship with, okay, do I want to have feelings? Do yeah. I want to have big feelings? Mm. Maybe I don't have big feelings everywhere. My family's kind of cold. You know, yeah. I always joke, but don't, that my mother and I could have a screaming fight in a restaurant and no one knew. Right. And we could even stop when the wait staff came by. Yeah. Right. We could tell them the meal and was lovely. <laughs> and then we could get back to it. Right. Yeah. So we're kind of cold. That's and it. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Maybe I didn't have a lot of big feelings. So walk us through I the could... practical. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I keep interrupting. No, no, no. Uh, go. Walk us through the practical. What happens in the session? How long okay. is it? In, at our, so you you administer the K. Is right. it a nasal uh, the, spray? The, is it a right? The psychiatrist would come in, and this is for physician assisted. The second time I did it was in a ketamine clinic. They put you in a room. They put an IV in your arm. Okay. But with the with the psych, with the therapist in the room, the psychiatrist, the medical doctor walks in, hands you a bit of paper. You stick it in your cheek, between mm. your cheek and your jaw. It tastes foul. Okay. I, whoever is creating <laughs> ketamine paperwork, you yeah. could add a little cinnamon as all. Yeah, that. a yeah, little mint, something. please. Yes, a uh, yeah, little, a little butterscotch. <laughs> right. And uh, I said to the therapist, okay, how long before it takes uh, effect? She said 11 Count minutes. down from 10. Well, and she said uh, 11 minutes. I said, that's <gasps> awfully specific. And then we were just chatting. And then all of a sudden, I wanted to shut my eyes. And she said, where are you? I said, I'm on the back of a beetle. Hello. A large Ooh. shiny black bug. With your I eyes mean, closed, I, you're you have yeah, that's I what you're to close my eyes. Okay. Okay. So you're kind of like dreaming with your eyes closed, but you're still cognizant of people in the room. So right now Absolutely. in the room is you and the therapist. Mm -hmm. And you're in a chair. Are you lying down? Are you sitting comfortably? Uh I was in a chair, not in like this. Okay. Um and uh, she and I had had a therapy session ahead of time to talk about, okay, what do you want to talk about? Oh, understood. Okay. That, yeah, that's like the MDR. Just like, yeah. all right, so tell me what your family was like. Yeah. Um, it was an interesting session for me because I haven't done hallucinogens before. Turns out, like with everything else in life, I'm kind of an observer by nature. Yeah. And she kept wanting to talk to me. And it turned out I just kind of wanted to be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, hold on, I'm watching the movie. Stop talking exactly. to me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. please stop talking during the film. I'm concentrating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know where Guy Pierce is right now. He's in a motel and he's writing things on notes. If I don't pay attention, I'm going to not He's on the needle behind me. Yeah. He is. I am carrying him with me. I have red vines and it's a movie. Um, but it was, it was interesting in the session. Uh, three hours later, we talked about a bunch of stuff. Three hours later, I opened my eyes again. I felt fine. You feel, uh, I was given a ginger, uh, tablet ahead of time. Some people get nauseated. Oh, uh, my daughter drove me home. We got Mexican food on the way home. She kept looking at me saying, I just need you to know I'm not taking you to Burning Man now. This is not the beginning of, the <laughs> of your life. <laughs> it's like, or maybe it is. So but it really I, is an assisted talk. 
you're you're it in is, the you're in the space is. and they talk to you for three hours about okay you're on the back of the beetle and let's go from there mm. let's go from there i will tell you the moment for me because again i didn't come in in a crisis so i didn't have the great mm-hmm. jump upwards i mm-hmm. enjoyed right. it right i will tell you when i knew there were new dendrites and new patterns of behavior about two weeks later, uh, we were getting, we were replacing our couch, uh, our couch, our, we were replacing our refrigerator. Gee, I don't know why I called it my couch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Do you nap in your refrigerator? That's how my refrigerator makes me feel so comfy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, and we had had it for 20 years. And so there was a bunch of stuff under the and the guy bringing in the new refrigerator was taking the old one. So out he removes the old one. And I have like six minutes to clean under there, which is going to have to hold us for another 20 years. Mm-hmm. So I'm scrubbing, scrubbing. And I look up and there is my sweetheart, who I refer to publicly as consort. Mm-hmm. One of the, I adore this man and he is better than I deserve. 100%. The mm-hmm. one thing he does that will drive me to eventually kill him <laughs> is he, he cleans after me. And this makes me insane because uh, it's like, what did I? Yeah, yeah. You didn't, didn't do this correctly. Yeah. You didn't yeah. do this correctly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Gonna okay. So I look up, and there he is standing with his favorite mop, and he has a favorite mop. <laughs> that is an important part of this part. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That tells you everything about this man, and he's standing there looking at me like, "Please don't shout at me. I just want to clean after okay. you." And Aww. and I was prepared to begin the fight, the pointless shout that we have about why do you not just accept that I've done a good enough job? Mm-hmm. And we were mm-hmm. going to get into our whole usual. We've had 20 years of this yeah. particular discussion. Yeah. Of you taking and this went, per- behavior personally. And, <laughs> yeah. and I went to open my mouth and I realized I don't care. Mm. It's like, okay, if that's a thing that matters to you. Okay, I'm you were you were less room. reactive. You were less reactive. It was it, it, the reactivity was no longer there. I was prepared mm. to jump on a bus, which hadn't arrived. Like, yeah, and it yeah. was that moment where I thought, "Oh, this is why it works for PTSD." I could use that because the response wasn't there for me. Mm. I was expecting the reaction. The reaction wasn't there. Okay, well, so that, like you oh, were, but what, but what you were saying um, earlier too is that what it really can do, what it really helps facilitate, is that you can be more aware of some of the things that are going on for you, and also give yourself a little bit of distance so you're not over-identifying with it, but you can observe it, and then right, from yep. there, instead of just over-identifying and reacting from it, yep. you can observe right. and give yourself a beat so that you then can respond. And it sounds like yep. in a moment like that, you can see like. Oh, this is the thing that annoys me because I do take it personally. I know it's not personally. It's an act of love. So I don't need to then clap back. I'm just going to let it, you know, mop with the favorite mop. That's what I love about therapy is that when you could see the results in your own life, when I was no longer reactive to my father, when I'm not taking him personally. Right. You know, the crazy things that he does. Uh, For me, when I did EMDR, um, the trauma that they walked me through was when I was 14 years old, our parents were wiped out financially. Mm. And what that did for me as an adult is if I had money, I had a sense of dread. If I didn't have money, I had a sense of dread. And it Mm. would just be this sense of dread around finances 
all the time that yeah. followed me my entire life, regardless of the amount of money I had. Right. And when I walked through EMDR and they, they walked me through those experiences and I got the distance, the disassociative feeling about mm-hmm. it. When money comes up now in discussions, I no longer feel that on that dread, mm. that feeling of something horrible is going to happen. That's mm-hmm. going to be, uh, the world is going to end. Yeah. So you're saying Quinn, you, it made you less reactive in that moment. And that was enough for you to go back again and do it on your own dime. Yeah. No, I waited a couple of years just because I have a child at a small liberal arts college, uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. money, is going out the, money is going <laughs> yeah. out the door at a great rate of speed. <laughs> um, but this past summer, uh, and bless him consort has nerves of steel because he actually said to me, have you considered doing that again? Which is something you don't say to anybody. Yeah. <laughs> me, my mop and I were wondering something. Uh, yeah. 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 How'd you like more yeah. shock treatment? How about yeah. some more Edison medicine to take the edge yeah. off of yeah. things? <laughs> um, and, and I looked at him and said, that's a lot of nerve, dude. Mm-hmm. And what he said in effect was, Things are getting easier now, and you're still, you seem like you're not, you seem like you could be having more fun. And, and I thought about shouting, and then I went, oh, but he's not wrong. Mm -hmm. And here's where I came back to the idea of the emotional responses when I was a kid. I thought, all right, I want to connect with real joy, real, mm. real complicated feelings. Yeah. And I think part of my concern now has been, yeah, but I suspect if if the emotions are a pipeline, there's a lot of ew that's going to have to get cleared out before I get to oh. all of the... And, and so part of me is like, it's fine where I am. I'm I'm fine. Yeah. And I, was, I have the but, right amount of feelings. I have <laughs> this an portion acceptable is good. amount. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have an yeah. acceptable amount of feelings. <laughs> Thanks. And I thought, what if I don't? And I thought, okay. And what's funny is, is that ketamine as a dissociative drug should be the absolute opposite of what would work for that. Because in some ways it's creating distance. My thinking was, all right, what if, I give myself permission in a purely mechanistic way to say, I know that if any of the sadness or the anger or the frustration comes up, I give myself permission to know those feelings pass. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's the it's the mop feeling again. Like, yeah. okay, that's just a thought. Impermanent. Right. Right. Impermanent. Yeah. Um, and and so that's what, you know, talking about the idea you were talking before about you have to go into ketamine with set and setting. And I didn't have a therapist guiding me this time, but each time the needle went into my arm and I put on the, the, the blindfold, uh-huh. uh, what I would say to myself is lovely journey. Love mm. setting, setting the intention for that speaks to what you were saying earlier uh matthew about the the subjective feeling about where you are yeah you know it's interesting yeah. um i'm getting the wrap-up sign from my producer because i want to talk about this i'm fascinated by this it's interesting um because you were a child actress and goodbye girl was one of my favorite movies as a kid and i've watched the performance recently and you are playing a girl who is very stoic 
throughout, who's kind of like you're the you're a 40 year old trapped in the body of a 10 year old. And that's that was your stock and trade. But your big emotional scene in that movie is where um, Richard Dreyfus keeps needling you, needling you, needling you to be, de- get to a vulnerable place. And you do kind of break down. And it's kind of like that kind of like is it kind of encapsulates what you were talking about of like somebody the ketamine taking you back to a back from a place where you're holding it all together. Yeah. Right. Right. Just accessing that part of you. Yeah. And, and I am not using it this time in any of the protocols that are being studied right now. There's a lot of really interesting data with PTSD, with treatment, resistant Mm -hmm. depression, with treatment, resistant anxiety. Uh, What I'm going for is more blurry but I will say this, it, I'm getting some interesting results. Like a couple of mornings ago, I woke up and I said to the guy, uh, I'm just mad this morning. So I'm going to go out and go be mad elsewhere because mm. I'm not mad at you. I'm just, just mad. Yeah. I think mad's got to clean through the pipeline. Yeah. But again, it's Ride the a feeling of, yeah. And it's just kind of like, okay, I'm going to go be mad and hike yeah. as opposed to this feeling alarms me or i need to figure out why i'm mad maybe mad Uh, maybe mad just exists and then it leaves yeah it sounds like you have less of a judgment value judgment on the on the emotions coming through like you're the sentry at the post going okay you're fine instead as opposed to like nope sorry that's as far as you're going yeah exactly and that is precisely clever boots (laughs) <laughs> oh gosh, this is so great, Matthew. Um, we have to wrap up. I, I this is like this is like so fascinating to me. We're gonna have to talk about this more at length when we see yeah. each other socially. Um, we didn't even talk about your your burgeoning Twitter career. Where uh, if you're not following Quinn on um, Twitter, you absolutely have to. So, what's what would be your hot message to somebody similar to you who who do, who is watching other people? Because we always wrap up with a hot message. Who's watching other yeah. people have more feelings than they are? I, I see. I can't. The great hot message of the world is: do not worry about what other people are thinking of you. Mm. They're not. Mm. They're not. They really aren't. The hot messages, nobody cares. Nobody, well, nobody's nobody's (laughs) concerned as you are, is what you're saying. I mean, the way that we kind of eat our hearts out about like, you know, reputation and and perception and everything, nobody else is thinking about those things. The hypercriticism. Where can people find you on your socials, Quinn Cummings? Oh, I adore true crime. And I have this joke that if I'm ever brought in by a police officer and they say, where were you? And I'll say, I was on Twitter. And they'll say, we haven't even told you the time. It's like, it doesn't matter. I was on Twitter. I was so on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter. Fantastic. All right, Quinn, thank you so much for being so candid and, yeah, and you, sharing Quinn. with us this fascinating journey. I'll see you soon. Love you, kitten. Love you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Matthew, this has made me question how many feelings I have. Like, what are <laughs> what are the? Because I laugh every day. Yeah. I I yell at my husband a little too much. I always regret it. But I I feel anger. I feel sadness. Yeah. I feel um. I don't I don't know if I want extra feelings. 
<laughs> it you, sounds like you're experiencing the the broad spectrum of the the human experience. Do you feel like you have the appropriate amount of feelings, or that you're kind of? Yes, I think the thing. I think that whatever we feel is the exact right amount of feelings we're supposed to feel. Um, I think that if we maybe kind of feel things a little bit more intensely, it could potentially be because of how we're judging our feelings and then it compounds it. Mm. Um, if we're maybe kind of feeling a bit muted, it also could be kind of a protective thing. So maybe we can kind of check in on that way, but we are fully equipped with all the emotions that, that we need to, to feel that we need to. And it's different yeah. for everybody. And it's different. Like for everybody. some, some people are like, kind of like, I have just the right amount of feelings. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Right. Yeah. What's your hot message? I think my hot message would be to just stay open. I love that we're having a conversation like this that, and, and that we get to kind of like offer up kind of different perspectives and different therapeutic approaches and opportunities just to stay open to, you know, things that maybe have been uh, seemed really taboo or less traditional for so long, because mm -hmm. there, there can be really great, very kind of medically backed um, opportunities for us to maybe kind of process some stuff in really healthy ways. So just kind of stay open to treatment. Right. Um, uh, piggybacking on that, staying <laughs> open. Uh, we discuss uh, so much on the show, placing value judgments on our feelings. Yeah. And um, it wasn't until I started going to therapy and, and speaking to a professional that it was, I, I even knew that I was doing that. Yeah. Sadness is bad. Happiness yes. is good. Yes. Anger is bad because, you know, I, the model, the, the behaviors I saw modeled growing up were not really positive, weren't really, yeah. really great. So you have to come to your own conclusion about the emotions and, mm -hmm. and, and what's, but um, consider taking the value judgment off Yes, for a do. second. If they were just feelings instead of good or bad ones. Yeah, exactly. Where can people find you? On your socials, big boy. <laughs> yeah, you who's, can find who's me. Who's your big boy? <laughs> Who is? Who's your big boy? <laughs> you can find me at... <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> so dumb. You can find me at MJ Dempsey Psych on Instagram, Twitter, and Matthew J. Dempsey Psychotherapy on Facebook. Under um follow me at Big Boy. Yeah. MJ Dempsey. Follow me at Twitter, Instagram, <laughs> uh, Facebook at Alec Mappa. Also follow us on Instagram on the Hot Mess Pod. We love hearing from you. I get so many great messages. Yeah. Week after week. Don't forget to download and subscribe. We talk about mental health every week. Don't be yep. embarrassed about it. Let's normalize mm -hmm. this conversation. Tune in next week. We'll have more hot mess fun. Goodbye. Bye, everybody. This has been a Stage 29 podcast production. The podcast is executive produced by Patty Chiano, Laferne Cusack, and Stephanie Kaysen. Our audio editors are Jackson Ruff and Jonathan DeMatty. Callie Kelts is the social media producer. And a special thanks to the rest of our podcast crew, Rwani Horinige, William Cusack, Lisa Clark, Katie Brown, and Morgan Kaler. This podcast has been produced by Stage 29 Productions for entertainment purposes only. The contents of this podcast does not constitute medical or professional advice, do not reflect the opinions of this company, any of its parent companies, affiliates, subsidiaries, promotional sponsors, or advertising agencies. The views expressed by the hosts and guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. For more information, please go to stage29.tv.